you get all this knowledge when you're on the other side. For our human self, it takes a while to absorb it into our consciousness. Hello and welcome to The Real Raw You. I'm Jenna Blackard. And I'm Jonda Watson, and we talk about all things oneness, sex, and relationships. As well as meditation, wellness, and awakening with a flare of fun. All to help you become the real raw you. Subscribe and listen weekly to this juicy, orgasmic experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jonathan Blackert, and this is my co-host, Jonda Watson. And Hello. today we are talking with Kelly Lee, and she is going to enlighten us after her near-death experience. And we're going to talk about awakening and consciousness and all that cool woo stuff. Kelly is a fifth-generation metaphysician. She's a soul evolution coach, a spiritual visionaire, international speaker, and author. She has recently moved back to the United States after living in Abu Dhabi for almost three years. And she believes that when you combine your spiritual growth with engineered steps, you can achieve anything. Her own journey has been gaining the knowledge she was taught growing up in a metaphysical home, her two near-death experiences, and life-altering spiritual experiences, all while feeding her love to travel the world. You've had two near-death experiences. That just doesn't happen to everybody. (laughs) Thank goodness. My husband and my son would agree with the thank goodness part. And I've been ordered not to do it again. Well, (laughs) I guess if you've had two near-death experiences and both have offered you awakening, that you're here truly to be and help other people awaken in this reality. Oh, absolutely. That is, that is my purpose. That is Mm -hmm. my path. That's what I'm here for. And everything that led up my raising in the metaphysical home, all of that just led up to the knowledge I gained in those near-death experiences and the spiritual experiences so that I can teach and I can help others awaken as well. Well, why don't you take us way back and really get into the nitty gritties on what happened with these near-death experiences and what were the awarenesses that came with them? In the early 2000s, I was diagnosed with a blood disorder called idiopathic thrombopedia purpura or otherwise ITP for short. They had been giving me a lot of medicines and infusions and stuff trying to keep me alive basically because what that disease does is that your body quits making blood platelets so you bleed out at the slightest little thing. Their last infusion as a side effect gave me spinal meningitis. And it was in that spinal meningitis that I was rushed to the ER. And I remember being in the ER, kind of in and out of consciousness, you know, when, when you're passing out and coming to and passing out and coming to, that awareness in my human body. And then I knew I was above everybody, but I was still in the ER. And I could hear the doctors tell my mother and my husband and my son, who was a teenager at the time, to come in, be with me, and say their goodbyes. They didn't expect me to wake back up. Then the next thing I knew, I was traveling. It's almost like, have you ever had the spiritual experience, maybe when you're doing a mantra meditation and you're owning and you're going up through your crown and you're filled with that white energy of the divinity? And it's almost like that pull started pulling me up and I left the hospital and I left this earthly realm and I went to the spiritual realm 
And that's where I met my angels, my guides, my father who had already passed over, my daughter who was never born in this lifetime, my grandparents and friends and stuff like that. There was kind of a reunion type aspect at first. And then my angels and guides kind of got down to business. (laughs) It's like, okay, the fun's over. We're going to get down to business now. And basically what I was told at the get-go was I came into this life with this purpose. I came in having the groundwork laid, being in the metaphysical family, doing these things, going through life experiences, some good, some horrible, but all laying the groundwork for this work. And I was ignoring it. Instead, I was an awesome stay-at-home mom, homeroom mother, but I was ignoring the entire metaphysical side of myself. And I had all the greatest excuses a human can come up with is why to do that. Part of my path is being a mom, but that wasn't my path, what I was set out to do. And I was ignoring it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, you can't do that anymore. So basically they laid out things that I had to do if I chose to come back. The choice was mine to come back or not to come back. I'm a leaper sun with a Scorpio moon and an Aquarius rising. So I can be stubborn if I want to be. And so I was like, if I go back, I have stipulations too. (laughs) And one of my main stipulations was that I would be healed, that I would not be the bedridden person I had been for the last couple of years. They were like, yeah, you'll be shown the path and that will be taken care of. And so clearly I agreed to come back because otherwise I wouldn't be sitting here talking with you lovely ladies today. Exactly. When I came back, I got out of the hospital eventually, started getting to where I was conscious enough to where I could start searching. Within a week, three people told me of a Indian medicine woman I needed to go see. And I'm like, okay, that's the third time. That's my sign. I went to her. We got rid of all the pharmaceuticals. And I'm not telling anyone that's listening to this to get rid of your pharmaceuticals because that may not be your direction for healing. But I got rid of the pharmaceuticals they were giving me and started on what she was telling me to do and what I knew I needed to do metaphysically and spiritually to heal myself. And within six months, I went from having blood platelets that if I accidentally hit my head, I would bleed out in a minute to being completely healed. Well, it just shows that it's so possible. Oh, it is. It is. And I had all the doctors telling me it was woo woo. It was junk science. It was voodoo this, whatever. It didn't matter what I ate, what supplements I took, what I meditate, how I meditated prayer. It didn't matter any of that. I still needed to take their meds. Mm-hmm. After the last blood work came back normal for the third time in a row, I looked at the hematologist and said, I'll call you. Don't call me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I haven't called them since that was in 2005. That's fantastic. Was that your first or your second? That was my first near death experience. Yeah. After that, and I got on my journey and really started tuning in. Okay, what am I supposed to be doing? And it takes a while. You get all this knowledge when you're on the other side. For our human self, it takes a while to absorb it into our consciousness. But did you remember? For the first probably six to eight weeks, I was barely conscious enough. And I was learning how to get up off the couch and walk to the other side of the house. At first, it was just getting myself physically back into my body enough to be able to begin the journey. 
But then it started coming back in pieces and flashes, sometimes in meditation, sometimes I'd just be sitting there in the recliner and it's like, oh, that intuition, that knowing would come. And as I was meditating, doing my work, that's when a lot of other spiritual experiences started to happen. And then through those spiritual experiences, I got more downloads and more information. And also remembrance, remember we told you this. I have never been a person to write, to really journal. You know, some people love the art of writing and just do it. I've never been one of those people. They told me one of the things I had to do was write a book. And I'm just saying they're going, oh yeah, I agreed to do that. What was I thinking? Can we renegotiate this somehow? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, no. <laughs> but at the same time, that took me on a journey in its of itself. Because what started out as the book isn't what the book ended up at all. But there was a journey that went through there and an awakening that went through that process to where I grew to where I could teach even more because I had gone through that process of not knowing the first thing, you know, trying to remember what we learned in school. Okay, what's, how, how do I write a proper chapter and what's all this stuff? to learning about the publishing industry and everything else. Mm -hmm. So there's all this learning that goes through the process. And a lot of times people get stuck because they're like, okay, well, I had this awakening and I had this, but what do you mean I've got to go through all this learning still? There's all these things I've got to, you know, do still. But as long as we're in human form, we've got learning to do, teaching to do, and things we're going to be going through. And so through that process came to the point to where, I had one major issue left over from the first problem with the ITP. And that was, they gave me such high megadoses of steroids. It gave me 150 pounds that I could not get off. Okay. You said I would be healed. Part of this is I need to get healthy. I need to be healthy. I don't need to start getting things like heart disease, diabetes, high cholesterol, and all this other stuff, just because of the weight I was carrying on my body. And then once again, I got a name of a doctor three times in one week. So I went to that doctor. We figured out that the steroids had caused a major metabolical issue to where it, my body thought it was starving. So it didn't matter what I did. We weren't gonna get rid of a pound. So we worked through the process and I did the process that was needed to have the surgery I needed to correct the metabolic issue. During that surgery, the surgery went great, but when they tried to take me off of the anesthesia and give me the reverse to the anesthesia, it didn't work. And my human body didn't breathe for six hours on its own. Wow. But in that wow. process, not only did I have my second near-death experience, but I also went visiting. Mm -hmm. And one of my dear friends that lives outside of Portland, she messaged my husband who's in the hospital waiting room saying, oh yeah, I just saw Kelly Lee go by. And she said, hi. And he is like, tell her to get her, you know what, back here. <laughs> But at the same time, once again, it was re not only reaffirming with my guides and angels what I'm here to do, but it was also even more knowledge that was given to me. And through this process, it's been, it's kind of like building blocks. Each time it's like, here's the next level, here's the next level, here's the next level. And sometimes I know there's a next level, but you don't know quite all it is. The running joke in my household is, you can astro project, you can do all this other stuff. You don't have to die again to get this information. 
there's a joy and a happiness that we can't experience as humans when we are on the other side. And the second go around, my mother had already passed too. So I got to visit her and my dad again and my daughter in a way that even though I'm in constant communication with them here, it's not the same. During one of your near-death experiences, you were led to discovering the 19 levels of consciousness. I was. And there are more levels of consciousness, but we don't incarnate on earth. And this is going to throw some people's minds out there. We have the choice when we, the first level of consciousness pre-incarnation is we're in the house of souls. And we decide when we want to start our incarnation process. Once we start it, until we get through those first 13 levels, we can't stop it. You're going to keep reincarnating until you at least raise your soul vibration to that level. Once you reach that level, you don't have to reincarnate and become a spiritual master. You have that choice. Now, you also have the choice on what's, where you want to incarnate. We all decided to incarnate in this universe, on this planet, at this particular time for this life. Mm-hmm. Other souls, other beings can choose other universes, other places to incarnate. And so lately in the news, you've seen a lot of things like, okay, we're going to show you proof that there really is visitors from other places. Mm-hmm. And the government's actually coming out and showing that and admitting it for the first time. It's not that they're alien. They started out in the house of souls, just like we did. They just chose a different place to incarnate. Now, one thing about this universe and this pl- planet is we're very, very dense. And what the density gives us is contrast, positive, negative, high, low, the law of polarity from this end of an empty test tube all the way to it being completely full. Now, other universes don't necessarily give you that contrast. They give you different, different things that this universe doesn't give you. But at the same time, as we are incarnating on this universe, there are 19 levels that we can possibly go through. Now, everyone, when they incarnate for the very first time, starts at the very same place. And that's why we have this diversity on this planet is because we're all vibrating at our level. Yet our human side says, I want that person to love me like I love them. Well, love is how divinity speaks. It is the vibration of divinity. When someone loves you to their best degree, they're loving you at their soul's vibrational level, their level of consciousness. If you go to someone who is maybe just incarnated or several levels up from just incarnating, but not at the same soul vibration level you are, kind of think of a radio station, right? You have The low end over here and then 107, whatever over here, if someone's at 95, 107 is not going to pick up the vibration. Mm -hmm. But 107 wants that 95 to be at the same vibration that they are. And that is the contrast that's purposely placed here so that we learn and grow. Because when do we learn and grow the most? When we're challenged. When we're challenged, when things happen, right? Just like... 
here in Texas this year. We had a huge freeze that affected pretty much the entire state, right? That was a contrast. That was set up as a contrast for people to learn and grow through. So what are the questions cool. do you have about the levels of consciousness? Brings up so much. One of the things that it brings up was when I was growing up, I was introduced to one of my father's cousin and he was struck by lightning and he, uh, they wrote a book. I, they probably had a sacred contract where they had to come back and write a book and it's called when lightning strikes. I remember just, I think I was about 10 at the time when I heard the story firsthand on how he just ran out in the rain and got struck by lightning when he went to bring his sister's bike in had this entire bliss experience and met Jesus and, and he came back and basically his, his message was live. His message is no, we're here to like really dive in nugget of, of living out of this life. So I guess one of my questions is you had an awareness where you were supposed to come back and really choose your purpose. How do people who kind of know that they're not pursuing their purpose, like where would you guide them to really live and pursue that purpose? Well, if they, if they're lost and they're like, I, I know I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I don't know what that is. Yeah. That kind of person. That's when you really need not only to really focus on your meditations daily and really, really you can doing almost a regressive meditation and going pre-birth and then asking your guides and angels to re-implant that knowledge that you came in with of what you were supposed to do in your conscious, not just your unconscious subconscious self, but your conscious self. And then Look, because our guides and angels are talking to us continuously. They never shut up. Trust me, they never shut up. So when they are talking to us, they're showing us signs. Sometimes it can be like I said, I got messages. This is the third time. Okay, this is the doctor I need to call. This is the healer I need to find. Sometimes it's you're being asked to take hey, why don't you join me for this exercise class or this painting class? Kind of like one year for Jonda's birthday, we all did one of those where we go and we paint and yes. stuff like that. Those little things, if there's repetition of you seeing things being shown to you and you keep going, eh, and you find excuses, especially when you find excuses, why you can't do it, because maybe you don't have the, all the knowledge you think you need to do it. Just like I didn't have the knowledge of what I needed to do to write a book. You know, sometimes we think, okay, well, yeah, uh, you know, I really like to write a book, but I have no idea how. So we just shelve it. And it's coming to awareness of that and journaling that. Start journaling when you start getting those, yeah, you know, in meditation, I keep, you know, I keep seeing this whole bookshelf of books, 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 everywhere books. When we start really consciously paying attention, and that's why I say start journaling it, because if you journal, especially if you keep a meditation journal and you journal, as soon as you get done meditating, before you do anything else, you write down everything you saw, felt, smelled, touched, whatever during the meditation, then if you start 
your consciousness will start seeing those repeating patterns. It's those repeating patterns that are speaking to you. And where we get in the way as humans to say, oh, okay, I got to take this one to soccer practice. I've got to pay these bills. I've got to do this at the house, you know, and we have all these daily quote unquote things we have to do. And we get into this stream of just existing. And like, I believe you said it was your uncle struck by lightning instead of living. So we're just existing instead of living. And he was so right. We are here to live and be our true selves. Yes, I'm a mom. Yes, I'm a wife. Yes, I was a daughter. You know, all those things. I have, you know, I go vote. I do this. I go grocery shopping. I do all those mundane tasks. But that isn't my purpose. That's not why I incarnated. I didn't incarnate to just do a bunch of stuff every day. Sometimes we look at people and say, oh, you're just a mom. It's not that you're just a mom. Guide them and urge them to become the best adults they could become they say oh well she's just a mom or he's just this and instead of getting into that it's like okay but let's peel the onion back what work are they actually doing as this mom what work are they actually doing and and what lives are they affecting because all of our work isn't isn't just for us we're a collective Mm -hmm. And so what work is being done for the collective? And I think a lot of times, especially when we, and especially when we start getting to this quote unquote middle age, you know, and stuff, we've raised our kids, we've done all this other stuff. And now it's like, oh, there's this big gapping hole. What am I supposed to do to fill it? Well, that's your purpose. That's why you're here. That's what's supposed to be filling that hole. So when we start on that path of discovering what gets me excited? You wake up an hour before the alarm clock goes off because you're so excited to do it. You know, instead of dreading it, it's like, oh, tomorrow I get to do taxes. Very few people (laughs) in this world wake up excited. Oh, tomorrow I get to do taxes. There are people and bless (laughs) them. It's what is your passion? And so what gets you excited to wake up? And so, like I said, you start looking through those threads of what keeps being shown to you. And it may not be, okay, you take a painting class. It may not be that you become the artist, but it may be that that leads you to something else because maybe you meet somebody or you overhear a conversation and you're like, ooh, that sounds interesting, right? Mm -hmm. You never know the path that spirit's going to take you. You just have to be willing to walk it. Yeah. What are some uh, ways that you like to help people reconnect with their true selves? Well, first of it is we kind of go through a deep dive, Mm -hmm. you know, and one of the things I ask after the deep dive is, okay, back when you were say two to four, before you started school, what did you play? Barbies. (laughs) Yeah, but you didn't, what were your Barbies doing? Um, See, my thing is I had this little doll buggy. You know, like the old fashioned, the curved doll buggy. Mm -hmm. I didn't use it for my dolls or my stuffed animals. You know what it was? I was the flight attendant and I was pushing and serving drinks to all my stuffed animals and dolls that were all lined up like they were on the plane. And I was the flight attendant and I was traveling and I was going this place and that place. And anytime I learned of a new place, that's where we went off to. Oh, fun. No, my Barbies like to, um, they like to travel and camp a lot. (laughs) And so a lot of that 
goes into because when we're kids that veil is not completely closed we're open we still know a lot of that information we haven't the world hasn't come in and put this wall here and this wall here and oh no that's not correct and all that other stuff right and so we when we play and we play with our imagination as kids that is a window into our purpose so cool. when we look at that, it's like, okay, I'm not a flight attendant. I've never been a flight attendant. I got married at 18. I had my son at 19, you know, but I've been to 31 different countries. I love to travel. And part of my purpose is when I travel, I don't just do the tourist thing. You know, I go and I meet people and I help people along the way and I find out about them and their culture and what makes their culture tick and, and the nuances of it that, you know, okay, what separates someone that grew up in Abu Dhabi from someone who grew up in the United States mm -hmm. and what doesn't separate us? Yeah. You know, and you, only learn and grow and gain that knowledge and share your knowledge the way I've been able to and the way I'm supposed to through travel. I mean, yeah, we have Zoom now and Zoom's great. And granted, during this pandemic we've had over the last year, none of us have been traveling physically. But at the same time, that was a key to my purpose. My purpose wasn't just to be, okay, I was born in this city. I'm going to stay in this city. I'm never going to leave this county for my entire life. But a lot of people do that. And it's maybe their purpose is to stay there. But mine clearly wasn't. I was showing myself. My purpose wasn't to be this person in this little, I was to spread out. So very cool. Any other suggestions for reconnecting with your true self? Absolutely. One, there's four ways we raise our vi vibration. Okay. And those four ways are the way we connect with ourselves also. Okay. And they're meditation, all seven forms. If you drill down all the millions and millions and millions of meditations out there, there's seven forms of meditation. So doing those seven forms of meditation, prayer, and I don't, Prayer can be reciting a prayer that someone's written either yesterday or a millennia ago. But prayer, there's a lot more to prayer than just reciting words and repeating after someone else. Living to your highest potential. Just like your uncle said, living, living, not existing, but living to your highest potential. Doing what it is you know you're supposed to do doing what it is that sets you on fire to where, okay, if today it's doing taxes, I'm going to do my taxes to the best of my ability. And I'm not going to sit there and begrudge doing my taxes. I'm going to be thankful I am doing my taxes. That's living to your highest potential, even in those moments where it's like, oh, I get to pay the bills, right? Mm -hmm. Be thankful you can pay the bills. Enjoy yeah paying the bills. That's living to your highest potential. So in the fourth one is what I call dark nights of the soul. We all have them. 
I don't care whether it's your first incarnation or you're a spiritual master. If you're a human, if you're in human form, you're going to have a dark night of the soul. And that's those moments in life where the proverbial rug has been pulled out under from under your feet. Now, that happens because, A, there's something major we need to learn. There's a major life pivot because when those things happen, the person we are going into the dark night of the soul is not the same as we, who we are coming out of the dark night of the soul. But how dark that night gets is up to you. Mm-hmm. That is, the dark night may have been faked, may have been something you wrote in, in your contract for this life to experience, to help you grow, but you have the free will in order to say, okay, the lights went dim, or I'm in this dark cavernous hole and there is absolutely no light and I have no way to know how to dig myself out. That is your choice when those dark nights happen. Now, one of the things when those dark nights happen, if we go back and we look at them and we look at the ones we've really gone through, the one, the periods in our life that it's like, oh, I'd be happy if that year never happened again, right? Mm-hmm. That was just, that year just took me for a roller coaster ride that I thought I was never going to get off of. If we go back and we look, once again, what are the threads weaving through? Because those lessons we're here to learn are less, we, we're not learning lessons, like we're not learning lessons on how to figure skate if we're not here to be a figure skater, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're here learning lessons to help us on our path for the reason we're here, the, what feeds our soul and what our soul is to feed others by doing. So look at those threads that go through those dark nights. And next time when that proverbial rug is pulled out from under your feet, okay, you may fall on your derriere for a moment and that's perfectly normal. Don't beat yourself up about it. But the difference is then saying, oh, okay. Evidently I'm here and I'm meant to grow and I'm meant to learn. But the thing is, every time we go through those dark nights, if you notice spirit at the end of those dark nights, give us amazing gifts. And Mm -hmm. I'm not talking necessarily material. Sometimes it could be material, but, you know, spiritual gifts, spiritual knowledge, spiritual awakenings, new people in our lives, all these different types of gifts that are brought to us through those dark nights. And so if you start kind of on an Easter egg hunt of, ooh, what gifts am I going to get? That changes your energy just enough to where those dark nights all of a sudden become a dim room, not that cavernous cave. Mm-hmm. I love that level of curiosity um, and playfulness that you suggest. Um, very cool. We're, so we're here to, we are here to be happy and to have fun and have joy. Yes, we have moments of great sorrow. Hence the contrast we're here for. But any moment you have a chance to choose from sorrow to joy, please do choose joy. <laughs> yeah, please choose joy. You know, I used to have a coach that said sadness covers up your potency always. 
And, you know, I kind of don't like it and I kind of do, and it makes me go, okay. So when I do sadness, if, even if it's not even directed at something, do I actually know that there's some potency underneath it? Right. So it's sort of like, I don't know that I love that quote, but I do know that it directs me closer to something. Well, what it is, is the quote is just enough to rub you, enough to pay attention. Okay. So the quote for you is enough to rub you. Someone else, the quote may not ring or anything. And it's like, really, someone said that, Uh, you know, and not even remember it. So the quote is enough to rub you so that when you are in those moments of sadness, that you're looking for the potential it's bringing you. Oh, Jenneth, it looks like you lost your sound. Sorry about that. Yeah. 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 No, it, it opens the door for possibilities for me. Right. Yeah. And for others, it's like, ugh. And, <laughs> and then, and I think for others are like, Ooh, like, you know, that's really juicy. And uh, so I guess the gift of that and the gift of anything when we're in dark nights is, you know, what are the tools that we use to, transition out of it being very dark or just the absence of no light exactly and and that's where metaphysics is so important and um being raised in a metaphysical household i was always pointed out um well what's the metaphysics behind a spiritual book be it the bible the quran the torah whatever it was what what's the real lesson there what's the metaphysics behind it also when i watch saturday morning cartoons what's the metaphysics behind that so i look at wiley coyote and roadrunner as an immense metaphysical cartoon and most people look at it as a cartoon but it's the i was raised to pay attention so that I would gain those tools and knowledge to where as I grew up, even from being the little kid that would run down on Saturday mornings and watch cartoons and Looney Tunes would come on and then we would have a two hour discussion afterwards about what was it teaching us? <laughs> you know, what was the message behind that one? Um, that even, even in those things that we don't think are teaching us are teaching us and so look at those learn to learn the metaphysical principles the universal laws and and combine those with your spirituality and your human experience and that's the trifecta that i call visioneering that (laughs) you were wondering if you see correctly um because when we vision ear, you're taking that engineer, that very practical, this is what needs to happen for this to succeed, right? But you're using that vision and that vision has to be used with what only, not only what are you getting spiritually, but also what, what are your messages you're receiving on the human realm? And then when you engineered all of that, that's when the magic happens. So that 
when a person that may be lost and doesn't know what it's like, okay, what am I supposed to do now? That's when, when you do those deep dives and then you start piecing together things and you start learning all the tools, then it's like the difference between hiring a carpenter that has literally two screwdrivers and a hammer and one that has an entire U-Haul truck of tools. Mm -hmm. But you're hiring that carpenter to, to help design your life. It's just that you're the carpenter and you get to choose. Do I just have a few little tools that I can use on occasion? Or do I have such a plethora of tools that anything comes up, I've got a tool for that. Hey, Kelly, go ahead and pimp yourself out and say, you know, tell everybody how they can work with you and your website and other places to find you and what you've got going on next. Okay, great. Um, well, my website, kellyleesappenfield.com. On there, you can sign up for a free 30-minute session and we can talk about how we can work together. And if you'd like to do coaching with me, I do six-month and one-year coaching. On there, you can also sign up for what I call a spiritual power hour. And that's where you get me for an hour and I help you with whatever you're needing help with right now. It's, there's different parts of our lives. There's also a speakers page on my website. If you'd like me to come and teach classes, come and speak at your event or anything like that. Now that things are starting to break with COVID, some workshops are online. Some are starting to get in person. Yeah. And we will include links for all of that along with the podcast. Do you want to score some delicious meditations and breath work from me and Jonda? If you do, go ahead and rate, review, screenshot, and send over your review on Apple Podcasts to hello at realrawyou.com, and we will send some delicious meditative goodies right over.